This week's podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor or new partnership, LSKD. Yeah, they're a local Brisbane uh, business who, who like us, are trying to take over the world. They're obviously a, a, a great clothing brand who, you know, as James will attest to, we used to be fully kitted out in Lululemon, but now LSKD has come along and we're jumping on that bandwagon because it's better. Yeah. I've, I've just really enjoyed the quality of the clothes. They're a really good brand to work with. They share our values. Yeah, um, and we've yeah. worked with these to get this going. Like we wanted this <laughs> as well, just as yeah. much as them. So we're super pumped to have them on board. So by supporting LSKD, you are also supporting us and you are supporting the growth of this podcast. You get 10% off at checkout with the code REBUILD or you can follow the links in the show notes or go to our social media and click on the links and you will get 10% off with LSKD. Yeah, we can take care of your training and nutrition, but then let them deck you out and look good in all their clothes. I'm James Beatty. And I'm Sean Carroll. And welcome to the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. All right, and welcome back to the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. And today we have on Chris Chapman. Chris, how are you? I'm doing really well, boys. Doing really well. Excellent, mate. Sean, how are you? I'm good, mate. A little bit sad. Just hopped... Just had to kick my wife and son out of the country for a month, <laughs> voluntarily, apparently, allegedly. But yeah, so living the bachelor life for the, the next month, so. So you feeling positive? Feeling positive. Feeling positive. We'll just be hanging out with you a lot more. Ugh, disaster. <laughs> All right, so today's podcast uh, is more health than it is in fitness, but again, part of this podcast is to talk about all things health, and it doesn't get much more important than this. So I guess, Chris, in April last year, got his life flipped upside down when he was diagnosed with stage 3C melanoma um, that had spread into his lymph node at the age of 24. I was 24, yeah. Um, So just take us back a little bit to your life just before sort of your diagnosis, what you were doing, how you're feeling, general general life. We'll get a scope for who you are. Yeah, so um, just prior to diagnosis and probably for the five, six years prior to that, I was, um, you know, living a very... Typical uh, young uh, old boy, young man life of uh, smashing it every weekend. Um, uh, you know, I, you know, being ten foot tall and bulletproof, not really thinking about your actions thereafter and uh, all that sort of stuff. And then, um, yeah, your life certainly gets uh, gets flipped on its on its head when uh, when you get hit uh, with that diagnosis. Um, so we all obviously know each other from East Rugby Club. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a little bit younger than. A little bit younger than me. And me. <laughs> Chris was actually, when I was in grade 12, you were starting in grade eight and he was Correct. like a, my little buddy we had to take under our under our wings and nurture and show him the ropes. It went really well. Very well. So he did. Big clubman at East as well, at the rugby club. <clears throat> you were something I always remember about you was that you were just always there. <laughs> <laughs> you were always there, you know, from... One of the first games to the last game, whatever team was on, mm. you'd be there, male, female, whatever grade, you know, and it was something sort of quite admirable to do that mm. from someone that would just personally come and just do his thing and and uh, and leave. So talk about that a little bit, like your life leading up to that diagnosis, because I just want people to just get a little bit of a better inkling. Obviously, quite young. Mm-hmm. What did you do for work? Yeah, so I um, had been working in commercial real estate, was working in office leasing for the last five years or so, and really was just 
living a lifestyle of a rock star, really. Um, having the the ego, um, working, living to work, really. Um, not really taking my health seriously. Um, uh, working 50-hour weeks in the office, plus, you know, when I'd get home and, and all that sort of stuff, going to the gym sort of sporadically, but not taking it all too seriously. But And then, you know, I'd work hard and then I would play really hard on the weekend um, through the through rugby, um, mm. not on the footy field, more off the field more than anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's... Um like you were very like, um, you know, we, we started probably... When did we start working together? Like, I obviously know, known Chris for a while, like I said, but we touched base probably start of 2021, mm. perhaps, and we did a, like a little bit of nu- nutrition coaching then, and one of our biggest hurdles was like just your general... Your, your general lifestyle, like the the social elements, the the lack of sleep, just the lack of sort of the basics. You were literally just trying to you were ha- have fun, and that's what everyone would say about you. Like you're a, you're a happy guy, yeah, or perceived to be a really happy guy, very social, you know, willing to do a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, obviously <clears throat> things sort of changed April last year. Yeah, big time. Um, once April. Yeah, so for me, and again, the diagnosis, I had originally noticed the, the, the lump on my, um, on my ankle and it had probably been there a couple of months. Just thought it was a, a mole or a blood. Sorry, I didn't think it was a mole. I, I, I thought it was anything but a mole. Mm. It, it looked anything but a, it looked like anything but a melanoma. Yeah. Um, it almost looked like a water or a blood blister or something like that. So I just thought nothing of it and that it would go away. But um, my um, my mates were all sort of just saying, you know, what the fuck is that on your, on your leg? Um, was it quite big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, yeah, sort of like the, the size of probably like your pinky fingernail sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, it sort of slowly started to grow and grow and um, it just sort of got to a point where I was out for brekkie with my family and uh, my mum and her husband sort of said, Chris, what's that? And I, just, I don't know, it's just just a wart or something it's part like of that. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, you know, they were like, oh, you should get that checked out. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, oh, good. Mm. I had no intention of getting it checked out. And then my girlfriend at the time, um, yeah, I, you know, for me, she's, she's actually my guardian angel because um, without her, I, I, I wouldn't have gotten it checked. And uh, she's actually working in, in oncology now um, as a nurse. And um, she just said, Chris, you know, you should get that checked out. It, it could, be a, um, could be a nodular melanoma. It sort of showed me on, on Google Images what it was and that's exactly what it looked like. And I was like, okay, yeah, we'll do. Fucking Google, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, just, yeah. And, and, and again, I was like, yeah, right. I like, we'll do. Didn't really think. She's like, no, no, make a booking right now. Okay, righto, cool. So I made the booking, went to the GP the next day. Even the GP was like, mate, it's, it's nothing, don't stress. It's it's just a little skin tag. I was like, okay, cool, no dramas. We'll scrape it off and do a biopsy anyway. And um, yeah, scraped it off, called me back two days later and was just like, mate, it's actually a um, really aggressive melanoma. Um, we need to get it in. We need to get you, get it surgically removed ASAP. It's fucking, was, it's fucking hectic. Yeah. Mm, do you know what I mean? I think no one in the world ever wants to hear those words and I suppose especially if I can say that in quotation marks at the age of 24. 24, yeah. You know, what, what was that like to to hear that? Your whole world comes crashing down. Um, it, it it really does. 
um, you know, everything you you are you're in a state of shock and you go through the the stages of grief and it's you know denial initially and you, you laugh it off and again for a period of time there from diagnosis to probably you know a couple of months later I still didn't take it that seriously yeah I was still in denial and I was still going out and you right. know having a good time and, and, and partying up and not really changing my lifestyle too much um, and then you sort of slowly start to go through the changes and you sort of start to think really, really introspectively about things. And probably the biggest turning point for me was um, undergoing treatment, uh, my first round of treatment, which was a few months later. Oh, taking it back slightly. Um, the melanoma itself, you know, obviously you get it surgically removed, but it was a little bit larger. Um, it was about four and a half mil or something like that. Um, and... Yeah, they, they sort of said, you know, we've got to remove a lymph node as well and as a, a precaution, go on, go and get PET scans and all that sort of stuff. And in that time period, this was probably in the two weeks after diagnosis again, like I, I just really didn't understand the severity of the situation. It is a, it is a denial thing, really. Um, I remember being going to go and get the PET scan and it was a full day off work and for me I was just like, I need to get back to work, I need to get back to work, like not really yeah. thinking about what I was doing. Is that because you wanted life to be normal? Yeah, yeah, and just, <laughs> no, nah, like I'll, I'll, I'll just work and it'll all go away, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that was that was my outlet for me and um, uh, as well as a couple of other things as well. Um, but it, yeah, just, you know, getting the PET scan and, and, and having the, the, the conversations with the doctors and stuff, I remember, I'll never forget, the nurse, so I was about to go under the, the machine to see if the cancer had spread anywhere else, you know, to any organs or anything like that. I was, you know, cracking jokes with them and she goes, I've never seen someone like this who's, who's about to get a PET scan. And again, didn't take it all that seriously. I, I, was, I was just, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, how's your day going? Like, you mm -hmm. know, just, just being happy-go-lucky, really. And I guess for me, that was probably my way of, yeah, really just denying it and, 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 and trying to escape the situation. Um, yeah, because I'd never really taken the time to, to teach myself or to, to give myself the tools to, to process the, the situation. So once you got like that initial diagnosis from the doc and you're going through this, did you find yourself like Googling, like Dr. Googling at all? Or were you like, like fully just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 Um, didn't really think too much about it. Um, pushed people close to me away because you know they were all trying to help and yeah i was just pushing them away because yeah. again just didn't want didn't, didn't want to know about didn't it. want to know about it did <laughs> yeah. not want to know about it if it, i just like listening to it now i'm like it'd be my exact same attitude yeah it would be my exact same thing yeah i'd google i'd google so hard i'm, I'm a big googler now and <laughs> yeah. you go down the rabbit hole and you're like yeah so but it's um but you never think you no. exactly you never think you just exactly. across me now you didn't yeah it's never going to be you right mm. Mm. So, yeah, um, got the surgery um, for yeah to to get the uh, the melanoma removed, and then they so thankfully the PET scan came back that it was negative. Um, it, uh, the cancer hadn't spread anywhere else, so I'm very very fortunate. Um, but they did have to remove the lymph node in which it was attached to, which is just up in my um, my left groin. Um, at that point in time, or at that time, there was a. You know, and again, going back to it, you, you do, you never think it's you. And the doctors said, um, you know, mate, there's, there's probably about a 5% chance that it's, um, that it, that it's spread to your lymph node. I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'll take that every day of the week. And, um, yeah, they removed the, 
uh, so went in for day surgery, removed the melanoma and then removed the lymph node, did a biopsy of the lymph node and then um, came back yeah, a few days later that um, – or about a week and a half later. That week and a half was probably the longest week and a half of my yeah, life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then it, it came back that, yeah, the biopsy was positive and that's uh, – that the biopsy of the, the lymph node, yeah, had, had cancerous cells in it as well. And then for me, that's when it was like – Fuck. Fuck. If there's a five percent chance that yeah. it's going to do that, and you've yeah, you're the five percent now, not yeah. the ninety five percent. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, right. That's a yeah. It's hard to hear, isn't it? It's uh, rattling. It's uh, it's very rattling. Um, uh, but um, again and again, like you know, it's all just a big learning process, really. But still, it it, it probably wasn't until after the treatment or just before treatment that I sort of reined it back in in terms of my lifestyle but again we're still eager to work like yeah. my lifestyle on weekends hadn't really changed too much reined it in a little bit but not mm. a hell of a lot um uh but um I was still eager to work like I remember my mm. first round of treatment I was hospitalized um because I, I elected to do a trial treatment um so Basically, the best way of thinking it at the moment is I am cancer-free. Uh, but, yeah, so far, so good. The treatment's done really, really well. Um, yeah. It's done a really, really good job of it. The best way to think of it at the moment is um, – or not at the moment, but is it's insurance. So if I, yeah. if I didn't do anything, because the cancer hadn't spread to any other organs or anything like that, um, it had probably – if I did nothing, it had like a 40% chance of returning. But if I did the treatment, it would have halved. Uh, sorry. Yeah, would have gone down to about twenty percent chance of returning. So, I elected to take treatment as anyone would, um, and yeah, I'm just undergoing that that course now, um, which finishes up at the end of July. So, how long's that been? The whole process of the treatment? It's twelve months. So, I started eighth of August. Yeah, finishes up twenty eighth of July. So, it's, it's a long time of your life. Like, if I think, um, cancer wards now, for example, or treatment rooms, I think of older mm. people. Mm. I guess and it's it's not right. I guess and it's were you one of the youngest or the, the a lot of you, a lot younger? Like what was that like? Yeah, I, I'm yet to see someone younger than me. Yeah, yeah, yet to see someone. There might have been a you know a couple of people, but um, for the most part, it's all you know people in their sixties, fifties, sixties sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's that can be a pretty confronting thing, very yep. confronting thing, um, and again. After my first round of treatment, I was absolutely rocked by it. Um, Did it make you feel really crook? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was the the days after, you know, it was just fevers and chills and shakes and all that sort of stuff until <clears throat> I think it was the, the Monday morning. So I had treatment on the Friday and then the Monday morning. Um, they, yeah, I, I, I just had a... a um, uh, uh, yeah, incredible, incredible fever and shakes, and just had a yeah, right. terrible night sleeping. And then again, yeah, my um, my girlfriend at the time came and picked me up and took me to took me to hospital. And um, I was given this card, and it's it's just to ensure that you're not going into sepsis. Yep. Um, and it was yeah, if your temperature's over I think 38 or something like that, um, you know that you got to go to hospital immediately and present it to to hospital. Yeah. Right. Um, and present to emergency, and they've legally got to see you within 30 minutes and I went in there with a temperature I think of like 39.1 
um, and I was just cooking, like absolutely cooking, like beads of sweat. It was it was horrific. Mm. Um, and then yeah, I ended up being hospitalised for for a day, um, and yeah, had a uh, had an inflamed liver from it all, and it was from that point where you got the physical side effects of it, where I was like, fuck. It's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. And I guess back to your point, James was, um, being in hospital overnight and I was in, it was in a room with, with, uh, three other people, um, all women in their seventies and eighties, mm. just as I was leaving, um, a palliative nurse comes in, so you know they were you know on their last legs, yeah. and they're all in the oncology ward, and that was a frightening, frightening moment for me. I mean, like you know, part of the podcast we wanted to get to after sort of learning about the story was the sort of your mental health journey. I thought you know it would be a a crazy ride. I'm going to say so. You know, you must have had even in hospital or going through treatment, sort of so much time to sort of reflect mm. on your well being and your quite youthful life still being you know relatively young what were some of those first initial things that that came up was it straight away where you were like after your treatment you're like right i need to sort my life out like in terms of health or what was those sort of next steps no so what what it was for me was i actually just finished up um from my job in commercial leasing and there was about a four month grace period of a non-compete clause before i went to another agency and that time was just a blessing. And for me, again, I wanted to get straight back into work. And some of my mates were going, mate, what are you doing? Like, just, just relax, just chill, yeah. just chill. And I was like, yeah, okay, no worries. I will. Um, he's like, man, just go to the beach. Just look after yourself. Like, and I'd never really taken the time to sort of just be in my own head. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it, 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 I'll look back on that period as being the most, well, it's certainly the most important period in my life to date. And I'll look back on it very, very fondly in years to come. Um, it was, it was probably about six to eight weeks into that time off where I just did, well, I was doing a lot of thinking in that time, but then there was just a penny drop moment where it was just, yeah, uh, I woke up one morning and was just going for a walk. Um, and just had an incredible amount of anxiety, an incredible amount of anxiety. And I don't know why, and I couldn't really think why. Um, and then my older brother called me. He's like, hey, man, look, do you want to come and hang out today? And I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. But then I just broke down in tears. Mm. He's like, you're good? And I was like, I don't know. And then I was just driving to his place, and I just came through the door and we're chatting, and I've just gone, it, it just... I'll never forget it. it. It was almost just like a watershed moment and, and it felt like there was just something that just came out of me and, and, and I just said to him, I was like, mate, like I've been really, really, I've been struggling with my mental health. I've been depressed for the last six years and it and, and that whole period had just, it, I'd, I'd been thinking incredibly introspectively about my life and, and what I had been doing and I guess it just led me back to a point where everything that I had been doing in my life had been based on an event that happened to me and my girlfriend at the time when we were 19. It was just a very traumatic event. Mm. Um, and being a young bloke, you, you, you're not given the tools and, and no one teaches you the tools to deal with 
traumatic events and, and dealing with your emotions. Um, so I just did it the only way I knew how, and that was throwing myself into the footy club every weekend, throwing myself into work, um, just keeping my mind so busy just so I wouldn't, wasn't able to deal with any of those things. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. It was a very crazy moment to, to realise. Was that when you realised that you'd been going through depression or did you sort of know in those years previous? Or was that just the catalyst? Yeah, it was just the catalyst. Um, I had I had no idea and chatting to my close mates around me, I had no idea either. Mm. Um, my family knew, but but I, you know, tended to push them away. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy thing. It's an incredibly crazy thing. Um, yeah. And it's, it's probably a lot more, obviously, pre the cancer common than from what you think if you go to any sort of sporting club. Let's just talk rugby because we're – how many people do live like that every week? Yeah. They go to work and then on a weekend, I've been through it myself, where, you know, you're on it Friday. Yeah. I mean, you're on it Saturday. You're on it Sunday. Yeah. Diving back into work and it's just this – repetitive loop of you don't think at the time it's escapism yeah. at all really you think it's just what what the lads do it's just yeah, what yeah, the lads yeah. do so therefore I'm going to do it but I suppose if you look deep down it has to be some level of it right because why would you do it because it doesn't make you feel great yeah it's a short term pleasure but it doesn't doesn't give you any fulfillment it doesn't give you any happiness or anything like that like it's um, yeah I mean talking talking rugby I'd say you know there are a a large number of people it may not even be in rugby it'd just be in sporting clubs local sporting yeah, clubs generally um who yeah are in that position and and they do and and they they go and just crank it on the weekends and then they don't give themselves any time to really just self reflect and think about anything because they're working or they're studying or they're doing whatever it's just take that step back and 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 have a think about why you are doing the things that you're doing mm. um but we're taught to be busy you are, yeah, and that's a thing. You go, oh, mate, how you going? You chat to your mates. I caught up with a mate earlier, mate. How you going? Yeah, man, really good, good, really good. I'm, I'm, I'm really busy. Okay, mm. like, is that? Do you want to be busy? Why is that good? Yeah. You know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah, it's it, it's mind boggling, and you know, people just don't. That it's not as though they don't know any better. They just don't know any different. Really, mm. that's just how yeah. you, you you're conditioned, I guess. And what about like when you had that sort of that moment with your brother, what were the sort of next steps for you? Like you've identified it, you know, you've had this sort of mental health problem, you're going through cancer treatment. Mm. Like what do you start to do to, you know, get on the other side of this? Did you let yourself crash for a bit or were you like straight into being proactive, trying to exercise or what did, what did you do to, you know, get yourself in a position where you are now? Um, it was a few things. It was, yeah, it was big, big on the self-care. Big on the self-care um, and, uh, you know, it was reading. I did a – I've done a – yeah, it was – there's a few different factors really. Um, it was – I guess it was just being open with people about my journey and being vulnerable mm. with people about my journey um, because, again, I probably noticed that when I was able to open up to people, you'd have people open up to me. Oh, definitely, man. Yeah. You see it all the time. Yeah. And and for me, like that that was a pretty powerful thing. Like for me to just be fully vulnerable with my mates and, and close friends and family and 
shit that actually feels pretty good to be able to talk what's actually on your mind Mm. um uh, that that was the first step um the next steps thereafter were yeah it was i I had a conversation with uh one of my friends now he's um he's he's become a good mate he he runs a um he actually does a mental health podcast himself and um he had been through a a journey of, of of um I guess finding himself as well, and and, and his own mental health struggles, and um, I, I leaned on him a fair bit. Um, uh, but it was really at the end of the day, it was just focusing on you know um, moving moving your body every day, eating right. Um, uh, you know, I, I hadn't, I wasn't drinking at that, and I'm still not drinking, but um, hadn't you know stay, steering clear of all that sort of stuff. Meditating, journaling, what's on your mind, and um, your sleep. Your sleep's just ultra important, um, <laughs> which I can agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the basic stuff we talk about, hundred percent, day in, day out, hundred percent, and all that stuff just has an impact on on how you show up each day. And it in, like people bang that drum all the time, mm. but it's not until you've lived that experience yep. that that you can actually go, yeah, you know, people don't just say it because they like the sound of it, like it's mm. they say it because it actually it it, it does it it works. Um, so yeah. It's amazing you talk about vulnerability. I think again, just coming, taking back from a sporting background, or I suppose anything, just as a as a guy growing up, you know, people tell you to be vulnerable, but there's no space to be vulnerable. Where am I? Where am I supposed to be vulnerable? You know, I've had friends my whole life who, you know, if you're going through a tough time, I'm not calling him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I, I'm close to them. Mm. I'm close to them, but I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Mm. You know, because that's a tough conversation but like as we spoke about on the phone yesterday humans only reactive you know they're never proactive with anything it's took you to have cancer to open up to your friend for your other friend to open up back and you to start a good conversation yeah like why are we waiting until something bad's happened to start looking after our health or to start having this conversation yeah yeah guys are yeah i I, I don't know why i'm really not sure why but yeah blokes just don't it might be the same females. I'm not too sure. I, I doubt it. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Think of a lot of it's got. It's a, a lot of it is like um, some of evolutionary traits. When like as 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 males, we have to be. Or we used to be. Or depends how you look at it. Still want to be like the leaders mm. of a pack, and those who were perceived to be weak were often left out or excluded from the group. So it's almost like a, you know, a survival mechanism in a sense where. If you are strong and capable, you fit in with the herd, you stay part of the group. But if you're, yeah, seem to be different, you're on the outer. So we don't like to quite often express our problems and the fears of being judged by others and being like, feel feel put out even further. Like Mm. if you shared your problems with people and they were like, fuck man, why are you telling me this? Like that would just shut you up and withdraw you even further. That's the sort of fear of it. But I'm sure like that hasn't been the case for you, I'm sure. No, and it sounds quite stupid you saying that out loud that someone would ever react like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's um, and again, you you. Oh, there's times where you've certainly got to pick your times, pick your moments when when chatting to your mates, like you know, oh the tiger bar at three a.m. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, you are you really going to do it then? No, probably not. But uh, some people do. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, yeah, I suppose it can it can you know alcohol, I guess, can open people up and. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, oh, it's definitely. funny that, it, but it, some like we often think it's alcohol 
And mm. obviously that, that does play a part, but it's environmental, right? You're in an environment with all your mates, you know, everyone's everyone's talking shit and if someone starts speaking seriously, people often listen, they become really intrigued because you've created this environment where it is somewhat of a a safe space. Mm. But I think then we get too much we get too reliant on fucking boozing up to have the like to have these difficult conversations because it is a skill like having difficult conversations is is tough and if you don't have like not everyone has the tools to be able to to deal with it especially if you don't see those people every single day mm. i mean sure we work together every day so we'll have conversations because it just means nothing because it's just the person that's sat in mm. front of you that's there at the same time but when you're meeting your mate now and again you might not have seen him for a couple of weeks mm. so is that how you want to necessarily like go into the conversation that's it it's, yeah. It's, yeah it's tough how are your friends and stuff through it obviously you said originally like you pushed them away mm. i guess and they were just very understanding at that point yeah, I uh, I probably more pushed my family away originally. Um, uh, yeah, which was which was pretty tough for them. Mm. Um, now it's probably gone slightly the other way in, in a lot of ways. You know, my friends were always there for me and very very supportive. But I've sort of, well, not sort of, I have brought my family right back into my life. Mm. And, um, they've been there for me. They've they've been incredible for me. My mum and dad have been there for with me at every treatment, um, um, which is which is awesome. Um, but yeah, my mates have, yeah, they they they've been great as well. Um, they've been they've been fantastic. They've been there for me. Um, you know, just popping over. You know, if they're in the area, they'll just pop over and just check in and, and you know have a bit of a chat about things. And it goes both ways. Like I'm because I'm able to have a conversation with them, they're able to open up and have a conversation with me. And for uh, because I've been able to create that vulnerability, like certainly just gone a lot deeper than a lot of the, um, than, you know, your surface level conversations yeah. that, uh, that, 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 that tend to happen. And have they, have they been pretty receptive to like the changes that you're making? Cause obviously, you know, we come from a pretty social environment on the weekend. It's like you've withdrawn yourself from that to some extent, but I still see you posting with your, you know, non-alcoholic beers, which is like, you know, you know, hats off to you to be able to go out and do that and mm. come from the environment that that we're still sort of involved in. But has there any been any pushback or like anyone trying to like twist your arm to go back to your old ways? No, nah, not really. Um, everyone's really, really accepting of it. Um, and again, I think that's just because I've been so open about my journey um, that they get it. Um, and for me, if, if no one, if, if someone doesn't get it, it's mm. like, okay, well, you know, if you're not accepting of who I am now, then. Yeah. But- and, you, and you expect a little bit of ribbon. They've got to push a little bit, right? Got to, you know, from time to time. Yeah, 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 you know, from time to time. See how rubber the arm still is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's important. Talking on the zero alcohol beers, what do you think? What do you think of them? Because I've done it at a point. I went on a drink phase, and to me, I've, I've always feel more comfortable with a beer in my hand in social sure. occasions. Yeah. So, like, I took a six pack once to a barbecue, and nothing had changed. It was still like I was drinking. Yeah. Alcohol, but yeah, I haven't done it again. Really? Yeah. No, I um, man, actually, I, I quite like them. A handful of them. Um, I I've probably also shifted my environment slightly. Like when the boys go down to the pub now, I, you know, I, I just don't really go. Um, mm. I'd, I'd much rather my my idea of fun has probably changed slightly, a hell of a lot actually. Um, I'm more into you know reading and 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 
um, doing other other bits and pieces, like going down to the beach, going mm. on hikes, doing all that sort of stuff. Stuff that's actually you know fulfilling. Um, what do you what do you find enjoyable about enjoyable about those things? <clears throat> Just a new experience, yeah. really. The the new experience of it, um, and you know, I'd, ex- I'd certainly experienced it before in the past. But for me, going through a mental health journey over the last five or six years, it's it's seeing life in a completely different shade. Mm. Um, and, and it's seeing it in a hell of a lot more positive shade as well. Um, yeah, I just, to put it bluntly, I just don't really value the time spending spending much time in a pub and, yeah. and just shooting the shit. I'd much rather go out and do, yeah, enjoyable, fulfilling things. I'm not necessarily there yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, I've gone from, I probably, well, yeah, like there's no clubbing or anything necessarily for me anymore. Like that sort of gone. And now it's just into pubs and I quite enjoy pubs. I think coming Mm. from the UK, which is a very big pub culture. Like I love going to a pub, but yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. It's it's a, it's the big changes, right? Yeah. And I think they do come as you sort of mature and you probably just had to do that a little bit quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the mate side of things, I've probably freaked a few out too. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, I've certainly just been forced to. Well, you've learned a lot, right? You've learned to really prioritize your health, and it's not just like it's the mental. It's it's the it's your overall wellness. You're like not mm. just going to the gym. Mm. You're taking just you're working sleep. on every little bit of every bit of your life yeah. to feel better. Yeah, your sleep, your meditation, your, your journaling, your mindfulness, just just being aware and being present and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, having control over your emotions and thoughts and, 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 and all that sort of stuff, which is all intertwined really. And it's the overall, yeah, picture of health. Really. How do you find the whole meditation and journaling experience? Like we've, we preach about it, but we don't often practice it as much as we probably should. Mm. Uh, you've got to be, yeah, it's, it's certainly difficult. It's just like picking up a new habit really. Yeah. Um, you just, you, you get your environment right. So for me in my bedroom, I've got my bed, my desk right in front of my bed and I'll just get up and as soon as that's the first thing I'll do, I'll just journal what's on my mind and I've just got the journal there on my desk so it's right there. So the environment matters for me um, and then from there, it just goes into a structure of meditating and then showering and then going f- and moving my body and then, um, yeah, I can start my day effectively. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Awesome, man. I suppose there's different forms of meditation, right? We were talking about jiu-jitsu a little bit earlier about mm. just where can you be that you're just present? Yeah. You know, I think there's a, a few ways we can mm. we can do that and people just have to find their way. We speak about it a lot and people think about journaling. They think that they think they need to turn into fucking Aristotle or something like that and it has to be like some amazing thing they write. Sure. They write down or when they're meditating, they need to be like Hermin sat on all fours and they just have a picture of what meditation is in their brain where realistically it's just sitting. Yeah. It's just sitting and oh, I chat to a few people about it and they just go, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm just, you know, I can't, like thoughts come into my mind. And, but that's and, the you know, point. Yeah. And that, that is the <laughs> point. You go, yeah, yeah, that, that's going to happen. Your mind thinks that's what it does. It's like, But if you do it for long enough, hopefully it'll start thinking a little bit less. Correct. Or, or just observing your thoughts and it's just the idea of yeah. observing your thoughts and um, the the idea behind it is observing your thoughts as though they're clouds in the sky. Yeah, they just come and go. Like that's that's just it. 
Um, so what's set up for the, the future? The remarkable conversation, like when Sean brought it to the table, really wanted it to happen because you were like most 24-year-olds. Do you know what I mean? Like, or like what I was very much like at a similar age, maybe a little bit younger, mm. to have this full circle because of something that's obviously terrible that's happened, but you've had this full circle. And you said a remarkable thing to me last night, hopefully cancer-free, that you're sort of happy in a way that it's happened. Mm. It's a bit of a weird thing to say though, right? Yeah, it's, it, it, well, I mean, it's been the best thing that mm. has ever happened to me because it's, it's led me on this journey and, and, and a journey for the better. Um, uh, you know, I've, uh, it's allowed me to, to think, as I said before, incredibly introspectively around why I did the things that I do. And um, additionally as well, it's, it's led me down a change in career. Um, for me, where I got thinking about it was, yeah, you know, obviously this is incredibly serious um, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. If it was life-threatening or terminal and mm-hmm. I had six months to live, and I'm in my hospital bed and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be sitting there thinking about, oh, you know, I remember, you know, the time where I made X amount of money and, you know, I was, you know, mm. carrying on like, a, like an idiot. No, I'm not going to be thinking like that. I'm, I'm not going to be talking like that. I'm going to be talking about the experiences that I've had, the people that I've shared them with, the people that I've loved, all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's led me down a path of I just want to help people um, and – I just want to help people, you know, whether that be on a mental health journey or in day-to-day life, but ultimately it's led me down the path of um, teaching. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of the next steps for me, um, going back to uni and, uh, yeah, doing teaching and, um, yeah, helping, helping people. And, and to be honest with you, helping, yeah, young blokes. Mm. Um, that's, the, that's the stuff that I'm yeah, really quite passionate about. Amazing. So a couple of things that you've got coming up. You, I saw on your Instagram yesterday you're going to – running a half marathon to raise money for melanoma research. Mm-hmm. When's this, mate? July the 2nd. July the 2nd. Yeah. Done much running? Not prior to this. <laughs> Not prior to this. But I think, like, we should preface this by saying, like, Chris played rugby, but he's not a rugby player. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he's, he, he was there for the, the social yes. element. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So absolutely. him running a half marathon is is very impressive. Yeah, no, nothing. You know, Sean, you probably remember back in school. <laughs> I do. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I thought you were rugby player, mate. That's, <laughs> that's all that matters. That's harsh, <laughs> mate. That's harsh. No, I, uh, yeah, I was a very, I was a, quite thick back he was, in school. He was, a, he was a thick boy. <laughs> um, so no, my running, uh, I haven't done a hell of a lot of it, um, and again. Going back to, um, going back to it, yeah. I, I just, um, I'm keen to, keen to sink my teeth into it, have a bit of a crack, accomplish something, and in the process, yeah, raise money for a, um, for a great cause and something that's, um, yeah, pretty dear to my heart. And it's got to scare you. And we can put the, you got a donation page going already. Yeah, yeah, yep. So um, there's a page um, just under my bio on Instagram. Yep. Um, which is Chris H. Chapman <laughs> underscore. I don't know we'll, if it's we'll, given a shout out. We'll put it all in yeah, the show yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it all in. <laughs> but another thing that I just want to talk about quickly before we end is just the importance of checkups. Mm-hmm. I said to you on the phone yesterday, I was supposed to have my first ever skin check last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of gastro, so I cancelled it, and I've just not rescheduled it. It's just gone out of my brain until we had that conversation. You made it again? No. Get in. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you've never had a skin check I've either. I've never had a skin check I'd, either. Yeah, I'd never had a skin check. And now I get them every quarter. Mm. Um, but yeah, ultra important. Ultra important, man. And, you know, again, if I caught this, I don't know how much earlier, but if you catch it earlier, you potentially, you, you obviously do avoid getting on treatment and all that sort of stuff. But caught it at a good enough, I caught it at a good enough time where it wasn't, you know, yeah. Life too far gone, yeah. Too far gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, go out, get your skin checked, and um, yeah, slip, slip, slap as well. All right, mate. Tell that to Sam Henry, mate. <laughs> like that, Sam. Like, literally hates sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of you, isn't, I read the fact, I don't know if it's a fact, I just said that, but most of your skin damage is done between like the ages of one and five. Really? Yeah. I thought it was under 18. Yeah, I thought it was under 20. <laughs> Right, we need we need, yeah. we, need a, we need a better we need a better fact checker. Yeah. You thought, have you Queensland any is the skin ca- cancer capital of the world. Mm, yeah. Leak fact. Yeah. Even when I was in Dubai, the dermatologist said, "Wait, ooh, you're from Queensland." Ooh. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Well, there we go. Get checked, Chris. Thanks very much for coming on and telling your story. I'm sure you'll tell this story another million times. Hopefully, once people hear this, and I think you'll do wonderful things going into to teaching. Obviously, going into teaching school kids, but it looks like you're on the path to teach, you know, young men a thing or two about health and wellness as well. Hundred percent. No, thanks for having me on, guys. It's um, yeah, it's been good. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. And just remember, if you're looking for some new active wear or even leisure wear, go to LSKD. They are the show sponsors. Follow the link in our bio and get ten percent off or quote rebuild at checkout.